Hey, everybody. Last week, we talked about how to talk about your money. Well, today, we're going to do that some more. This is part two. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Financial Wellness Podcast, or the TFWP, as we like to talk about it, coming to you from Van Nuys, California, Topanga, California, and even San Diego, California. And you know who's down there, the big A. How you doing, Nick? Hey, Davey Hagen, doing well over here. Good, good, good to see you. Weather's good down there? Can't complain. Gotta love it, gotta love it. Well, remember last week, Nick, we were talking about how to talk about your money. And we talked about the fact that people seem to disclose an awful lot of stuff, especially younger generations. And we talked about how easy it seems to be to disseminate that information. And we came up with 12 tips for talking about your money. And those 12 tips were number one, what is right is up to you. Number two, don't ever disseminate your passwords. Three, thinking about scripting your responses in advance. Number four, how you talk about your money may be different at work, when you're with friends or when you're with family. Number five, everyone counts your money, so be careful. Number six, people love to gossip, so assume that your information will go everywhere. Number seven, be careful. You might have non-disclosures regarding your income at work. Number eight, if you must disclose, be general. Number nine, don't brag. Number 10, don't be judgmental. Number 11, don't try to keep up. And number 12, if you do talk, talk about your financial wellness plan. And that's when we ran out of time, but we had a lot of stuff we still wanted to say. So Nick said, um, hey, let's make a part two of this. Let's come back next week and finish talking about this. You up for that, Nick? Yeah, let's do it, Dave. Let's do it. So what we were talking about, now we've got these 12 ways to talk about your money. I want to talk about how you disclose information with respect to different kinds of assets or different kinds of income or different aspects of your your financial condition because i think it's different also with each asset and the first thing obviously that i thought about is what about your salary is salary something you talk about you know <laughs> for me i have no problem disclosing it I, I'm mm -hmm. more of an open book. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't make that much money, but I'm also, I, I also feel it's okay to talk about, you know, I, I don't feel snobby, but I, I don't feel embarrassed. I guess is the word I'm looking for, for how much I make. And so I, I feel comfortable doing it, but you know, am I going to do it on the air? Probably not. Well, <laughs> if you got to know your audience, you got to know who's listening, but how about this? Let's say um, a year from now and your income um, you know, you're working as an attorney and your income is, is 10 times what you're making now. How are you going to feel talking about that to say at the Thanksgiving table? You're going to feel comfortable with that? You know what, Dave? 
I would bless my lucky stars if that would be the, <laughs> the fact. I would bless my lucky stars. And you know what? Just for purposes sake, let's just say yes, I will. I I, I have nothing to be, you know, uh, ashamed of, nothing to be embarrassed about. And, um, you know, if, if someone really wants to know, and I, I think they have no ill intent, like they're not going to use it to hurt me, I, I, I don't see why not. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where we're you know, we're different. We're, we're yeah. different generations. I don't think I would. I, I don't, I don't want there to be any jealousy or animus or, and I don't want to appear that I'm, you know, bragging or boasting, um, which would be easy to do if, if I, you know, I had an income that was, you know, times 10. Um, I don't know that I would. Um, I might talk to a coworker about it if they were looking to, to make more. Um, but again, I'd be kind of general about it. And I'm using a lot of the tips that we've talked about. Um, but salary can be kind of a, a touchy issue and can, and build bad feelings. So I don't know. I, I think I'd be a little more close to the vest than, than you would, but again, you know, to each his own. But, but also I, I think, you know, going back to part one, it, it's knowing your audience, knowing who you're talking to. And, and that's where I meant by, you know, as long as someone does not have an ill feeling about what I'm saying, like, for example, I brought up you know, the hypothetical in part one about, you know, if someone wants to work their way up and they want to know how much I make, I, I think that's a fair question. But, you know, if someone wants to use it to hurt me in some way, or if I feel that they will get jealous and it will create harsh tension between us, no, I, I probably won't disclose it. I, I think I'll keep it t close to the chest, just like you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking to your mama and your daddy, would you tell them? You know, I, I don't see why not. I, I don't see why not. Okay. I mean, I'm one of uh, several kids in the family, and I'm, I'd be happy to tell my mama and my daddy, but I, I'd, I'd worry that the cat would get out of the bag if I was making a big income. And then I got problems with brothers and sisters and in-laws. And, you know, and, and then the way I perceive it, all of a sudden, I'm the one that's supposed to pick up the, you know, the check. And I don't know. I just don't know if I want to go down that path. Well, Dave, I, I think that's another podcast about how someone should spend their money. Well, that's so true. <laughs> so, so true. So true. But that always creates an uncomfortable thing with your bunch of friends or bunch of siblings. Um, you know, who, who's going to who's going to make the reach for that check and going through that whole little song and dance. But that's a that's a whole nother podcast unto itself. Um, what about your car? You know, it used to be it would be difficult for people to figure out how much, you know, your car was worth. You'd have to do research in the classifieds. You'd have to go to the Kelly Blue Book, which means a trip to the library. Um, you'd have to look around. You'd have to do some research. Now it's so easy. You Google it and it pops up. You go to kbb.com and it pops up. Um, you know, people are going to count your money. And part of that is people are going to want to see what your car's worth. And do you think people will check you out? Absolutely, I believe that people will check that out. They go, oh, what, what kind of car is that? Is that worth more than mine? And I, and I think that leaves open an opportunity to get a really nice looking car that maybe isn't worth as much, especially if you're not looking to brag. But it's so easy to find out. Have you ever checked out the value of someone's car? Now? Oh, well, definitely. I've also, you know, um, I'm, I'm skipping ahead, but mm -hmm. I've also checked out, you know, how, how much someone's house is worth. But, 
you know, it, you know, with the dissemination of information and the transparency going back to technology of how easy it is. I mean, why not? Um, you know, but you know, I, I like to take my piece of humble pie. I have no problem telling our listeners that I'm a proud owner of my car. I I, I don't rent or I don't lease. I should say Mm -hmm. I don't finance. Mm -hmm. I bought my car brand new in Mm -hmm. 2012. Mm-hmm. My car is nine years old. I only have 70,000 miles on it, which I'm very proud of. Nicely played. And, you know, I don't even know how much it's worth right now. It still runs great. And I'm I'm proud of my car. And so if someone wants to research my car, go ahead. I, I have nothing to hide. Yeah. I mean, it makes it easier to disclose it when you know that the information's, you know, readily available. And in, in your situation, um, and in mine too, it's the opportunity to follow the, the 12th tip was, a tip, which was, hey, tell, you know, tell people about your plan, disclose your plan, show them how you're trying to get to financial um, success. Wait, and wait, they Dave, will, Dave, they will thank Dave, you for that. Dave, what car do you drive again? I forgot. Well, I got to tell you, I drive a car <laughs> that I bought that was four years old. I bought a car for cash. I bought a car that was 50 for 50% of the sticker price. Now, that being said, it's a hell of a car. It's a Tesla. <laughs> but a I what? didn't pay. I didn't pay. I uh, didn't pay a hundred thousand for it, and I I put together money for a long period of time. I could have financed it, I suppose, at a er, much earlier time when a Tesla driving down the street was a really big deal, and I didn't. I I held off and, until I bought it for cash, and I bought it used. Now, now I still remember this. We were right outside your office. Yeah. And you you must have got it within the last six months of that time. Yeah. And you're like, you're like Nick, hop in. Let, let me show you this. And sorry, this is getting off on a tangent. And this is yeah. not an ad for Tesla, just saying. And you're like, Nick, you know how fast this goes? And I'm like, no. And you go, put on your seatbelt, watch this. <laughs> and then you drive down Oxnard. And I'm just like, wow. And your head wow. slapped back against the headrest. That was a fun oh, day. I it like was that. Fun. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, it admittedly, I mean, and I tell people, you know, it, it's too fast. It's too fast. At the time that it was produced, it was the fastest production car in the world. And it it's too fast when you when your head slaps back against the headrest, when your eyeballs feel like they're floating a little bit. Um, it's a lot faster than it needs to be. And I got to tell you, after driving it for a number of years now, um, I could probably do without that feature. You know, I, I, I put the pedal to the metal um, more, more infrequently. And, um, I don't need to do that, but I got to tell you when that car was, you know, I, I had to, I had to go to Seattle to find the, the right car in the right condition and the right age. And I flew up there, test drive it, made arrangements to put it on a truck and bring it down. Um, I, I really didn't know, um, how fast it could go because, um, I had only test driven it in Seattle traffic and, and it just shocked me when I found a quiet street and, and stepped on it, because it doesn't burn rubber, the, the computer senses that, and you go forward so fast, it almost does knock you out. And you know, I don't want to be down in a Tesla at all, but it's but, too it's too fast. But but also for full transparency, it's only that fast when you want it to go that fast. Well, we, we, yeah, yeah. I mean, have I punched it in the last um, two three months? Maybe once. Plead, plead the fifth. Plead the yeah. fifth day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't send over the cops to my house, Nick. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> Let's talk about houses. Let's flip to something else. You know, what about the value of your car? You know, it used to be. Oh, what did you pay for your house? And, and if you wanted to know what someone paid or what it was worth, you had to talk to a realtor. Who had to look at the MLS. Who had to 
um, you know, do a comparable sales analysis, blah, 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 blah. Now everybody can know the value of your house. I mean, just go to Redfin, go to, you know, any of the um, Zillow, go to any of these places and it'll give you um, a, a computer um, analysis of what the value of the house is based upon comparable sales in the neighborhood. It's so it's so easy to know that I guess it doesn't hurt to, to talk about it so much anymore, as long as you're doing it in, in, in a humble way. And, and then also you have the opportunity to explain how it hopefully fits into your financial wellness plan. I mean, Dave, I mean, I, I actually just used Zillow yesterday, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of this one real estate show. And mm-hmm. uh, on the show, they have a bunch of Los Angeles realtors. And I, I think it's interesting to see, especially if you're a homeowner, um, you know, what the comps are around your area. And I, I think you should be diligent in knowing how much your house is worth. That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, you should. I remember back in the day, I'd, I'd watch uh, the, the cable uh, up on the television while I was working out. One of my favorite shows was the Real Estate Channel. And it was just a series of um, you know, realtors who had bought time saying, hey, look at this house over on Venice Avenue. It's got three bedrooms and two baths. And, you know, it's worth like $36,000. And I, I think that was probably a legitimate number back, back at that time. But I, I found it. <laughs> I found it fascinating because, you know, it's human nature to count someone else's money. And that's that's what I was doing. And yes, I was trying to educate myself on the real estate market because eventually we were going to purchase a house. But um, you know, there, there's always that, you know, wh- what is that worth? Oh, I don't believe that. Yes, I do believe that, um, that kind of a thing. And it's so much easier now to get that information. Dave, speaking of transparency, so the San Fernando Valley is about what, 30 miles south of downtown LA, give or take? Yeah, 30 miles North, or no, north, or north. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, living in San Diego. Yeah, has you've been you, south. <laughs> you've been away from the farm too long, my friend. <laughs> so I, I just went online and guess mm-hmm. what the median house price is in the San Fernando Valley? Seven eight hundred. As of June twenty twenty one, this okay. is according to ABC seven. Okay. Nine hundred and fifty five thousand dollars. Wow. Outrageous. Wow. I I don't know how people. Uh, I don't know how people afford that. It's it's crazy to me. But yeah, you know, I, I do know that years ago I was talking to my uncle on a this was on a hike in Yosemite, and he was a um, a realtor. I said, well, how do people afford that? And he says, you know what you do? You make you make the best decision that you can. You prepare to buy the house. You go in strong with the biggest down that you can, and then you put your head down and work for a bunch of years. And you know what? When you poke your head up and after a bunch of years, you'll probably be in a pretty good spot. Now, since that time, um, you know, the real estate market has has fallen dramatically. Some would say almost collapsed twice. But as long as you're going to hold that property for a long enough period of time, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I remember we we bought a house and 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 five, six years later, seven years later, it was worth three times what we paid almost. And I'm walking around town going, wow, I'm a millionaire. And then it went back to the original purchase price a couple of years after that. I mean, it, real estate's been pretty volatile, but that's that's where we lived. And we lived there for um, 29 years. But Dave, I, I also hear real estate's one of the best investments that you can make. Well, yes. I mean, I don't want to give uh, you know specific investment advice to anybody, but if somebody's going to be in the same place, if somebody 
um, you know, can can reasonably afford it. If their if their income situation is stable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, real estate should be a portion of somebody's um, portfolio. Should it be all their portfolio? No. Should it be five percent of their portfolio? Perhaps not. But it should be a portion. I mean, I I got to tell you, um, you know, I've I've watched real estate appreciate. I've watched the stock market appreciate. And I think, um, you know, a very conservative mix of stocks or bonds has done better than real estate. But does that mean, in fact, significantly better than real estate? But does that mean you don't have any real estate in your portfolio? Does that mean you deliberately stay away from owning a home? Well, it depends upon a lot of factors, but real estate should be part of a regular normal person's portfolio, it, it seems to me. But everybody's going to know it. There's no way to hide it. You can't put up a big blanket out front and go, don't look at my real estate. It's true. And I, I guess, you know, maybe just I have a layman's experience. Like I said, you know, I'm not a homeowner, but just to know how much rent costs in Southern California and you're putting that money towards equity. Right. To me, it seems like a home run. Yeah, no, I know. If I you know. can afford it. If yeah. you can afford it, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah, I was talking to a guy recently and he was telling me that, um, he had just bought a house and he was he was a little irritated because everyone in the family wanted the address. And the first thing that they would do is take the address and type it into Redfin. And they knew exactly what the house was, you know, what he what he was purchasing. And of course, then they extrapolate that on, um, you know, what what income must be and what other assets must be. And, and that's too much to disclose. But there's no way to st- to stop that, um, yeah. there's just no True. way. It, it is what it is at this point. Um, but be humble and, and make it an appropriate part of your financial wellness plan. Um, and that's about all you can do about that. Just be humble and kind. Yeah, yeah. How about stocks? Now, I don't want to talk about specific stocks because that would be giving financial advice or stock advice, and we can't do that. But uh, it could even be, if, if you're talking to somebody about stocks that you own, it could even be potentially insider information. But um, we've talked about some general kinds of things that, that, that you've done in terms of trades and what have you. I've talked in general about some stocks um, over the last uh, almost 200 podcasts. But the value of your stocks, should you talk about that, Nick? You know, I, you know it goes back to my whole premise of, knowing your audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's what's the purpose that I'm talking about it? I, I would say generally, I, I only speak to people about stocks who are also in the stock market, or they're attempting to get into the stock market. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm more of an educator. But we talked about that in part one, you know, to educate people, mm-hmm. or, you know, and I, I only like discussing ideas with other people if, if it can help me. And if I speak to you, Dave, we're, we're both in the stock market. We can mm-hmm. help one one another. I have mm-hmm. no issue speaking to you about it. But mm-hmm. you know, if someone off the street just comes up to me, is how much is your stock portfolio worth? I, I would be kind of you know pushed back. Like, who are you? Like, what are you going to do with my information? Yeah. So I I mean I, I think that principle can be used you know uh, across the board. So maybe you're talking more about general principles or general categories of stocks, not about how much you have. Agreed. Yes. That's a, I think that's a pretty good guideline, you know, talk generally. I mean, I, I tell people, hey, back in the day, I bought a couple of shares of Apple because the store was busy and it's been kind to me. Past that, nobody's business. Yeah, but, but I mean, also, Dave, I mean, we, true or false, we, we've talked about stocks. Of course. And, 
And, and how many times have I asked you how much is your portfolio worth? Yeah, like never. I, I, never. Because well, because not, you're well, cool, because you're appropriate, right? Because <laughs> well, well, I wouldn't tell you it's none of your damn business. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's definitely like never. It, it's zero. Yeah. But but also like you said, it's none of my business. And for the information I'm trying to seek, the how how much your portfolio worth is of no worth to me. I'd rather know your opinion about you know Facebook. And, you know, I'm just picking stocks at random. Facebook, mm-hmm. Google, mm-hmm. Google etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Exactly. All right. I think we nailed that. What about inheritance? Should you tell people about an inheritance? I would say no. Yeah. I, I mean, I think this is a pretty hard stance for me. I, I think there's only a negative value to an inheritance uh, disclosing it than a positive. Mm-hmm. Negative, how so? I, I think this will create jealousy of people. And if it doesn't create jealousy, um, what's the politically correct term for this? Uh, for people who want to latch on to you based on your inheritance. I don't know the politically correct term for it, mm-hmm. but um, you, it's like winning the lottery and all of a sudden you have second cousin twice removed coming and saying hi to you. Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, now you're bringing up a whole bunch of issues there, but I, I agree. One, usually an inheritance will be a lump sum. Not always, sometimes it's an income stream, but more often than not, it's a lump sum. And you talk about it to people and I think it creates um, you know, jealousies. Yes, exactly. And, and just, I think it just creates problems. And it goes, you know, back to knowing your audience. And I think that should be like one of the main principles, Dave, of this. And that, that's my takeaway is just know who you're speaking to. Mm-hmm. You know, why does someone want to know about your inheritance? To me, it seems very suspect and very fishy. Well, I can think of almost no audience that I would want to discuss inheritance with outside of maybe a, a personal financial advisor. Or you're the trustor. <laughs> well, or something like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. And the other part of your comment, I'm kind of categorizing your comments here, but the other part of that is um, everyone's going to, if, if they know you have an, an inheritance, everyone all of a sudden is going to want to be your best friend. They're going to want to yeah. party with you. They're going to want you to invest in stuff. And it just creates all sorts of difficult conversations. Or pick up the check, as you said. Or pick up the check, absolutely. I remember uh, one time we were we were skiing and we were sitting with a guy on the lift, and um, you know, he was saying, "Well, how many days have you skied?" Which is another form of currency among ski people. How many days have you skied uh, this year? And he goes, "This is my hundred and sixth day." And we went, oh, this is our this is our second because we work for a living. So he goes, well, you know, I I have an inheritance. And you know what they say: the first generation earns it, and the second generation spends, spends it. it. Yeah. And then he skied off, and I thought, you know, what a boob, what a boob. I don't need to know that. Um, I'd rather talk about, hey, what kind of skis you got, or the weather, or whatever. Yeah. I don't need to know that you're like cruising through life, contributing nothing. Oh, was that a little jealousy there? Ooh. <laughs> you see how that creeps into all of our comments. I, I can't think of too many people that I would talk about um, an inheritance. What about lottery winnings? Would you talk to people about lottery winnings? You know, I think it's piggybacking off the last um, piggybacking it's off a the last sum. point. Yeah. Well, well, it's not only a lump sum, but usually, you know, like when I think of lottery, when I think of inheritance, it's not always true, but I just think of a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, like you could inherit $10,000. I'm not saying $10,000 is not a lot of money. It is. But usually, I would say colloquially, you know, when you think of inheritance, it's, it's a lot of money. Just like, 
you know, if, if I won $100 on a scratcher, I wouldn't consider it the lottery, but is a scratcher the lottery? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, but you know, where's Brian? Brian should be here for scratcher talk. Oh, he loves, he loves that. He loves that. <laughs> <laughs> that. That's not Brian. That's not Brian. The reason that, that Nick brings it up is because Brian was a, a, a big part of the conversation when we talked about lottery winnings and, and scratchers and that kind of stuff. That's just, that's just the, the family dog waking up and making some noise. But um, lottery winnings, I don't think I would talk about it that much, maybe in the smaller, you know, in the smaller realm. But I remember years ago, uh, I consulted with a client who was facing bankruptcy and he was a lottery winner. And he, he talked about the fact that the day he won was a curse because he became so acquainted with family members that he didn't even know that he had. And after he had given away all of his money to all the people, he was still spending money at the lottery winner's rate and now had all this debt and wasn't able to, to make it go. And it, it ended up driving into bankruptcy. So I wouldn't talk about lottery winnings. I wouldn't let people know about that. Nick? No, I, I wouldn't, Dave. And I mean, what's interesting, and I, I feel that I am the anomaly in this, I'm comfortable with my group of friends. I'm comfortable with my family and who mm -hmm. I consider my family. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't have a need to um, entertain more people that were not there for me when I needed them or who are not there for me right now, unless, you know, they can provide me some benefit to my life and I can provide them some benefit to their life. But, you know, kind of tangential, but, you know, I digress. I, I don't think I would, Dave, uh, to answer it very succinctly. I don't think I would. No, no, me neither. Me neither. Well, let's let's land this plane. Let's wrap this up a little bit because this is the, the tail end of uh, two episodes, part one and part two, talking about how you should talk about your money. And, you know, going back to my 12 tips for talking about your money. One, do what's right for you. Two, never share your passwords. Three, thinking about scripting your your responses in advance. Four, it might be different what you say for work, family, or friends. Number five, everybody counts your money. Number six, people love to gossip, so assume whatever you say is going to be everywhere. Number seven, if you're talking about what you make at work, be careful of non-disclosure clauses in your employment agreement. Number eight, if you must talk about your money, be general. Number nine, don't brag. Number 10, don't be judgmental. Number 11, don't try to keep up with the Joneses. And number 12, if you do talk in general, talk about your financial wellness plan. And then summing up today, the assets that you have may have different rules depending upon that kind of asset. Nick and I varied talking about uh, what we would disclose in terms of our salary, car value, house value. Yeah, tell people we both had the same point of view because people are going to find out anyway. Stocks, we said, well, it's more about the types of stocks, not the value of the stocks. And then Nick and I kind of both agreed. Inheritance, lottery winnings, just not a lot of need to talk about that because more bad can can come than good from that kind of a discussion. So, you know, I think that's a wrap. Nick, thanks for sticking with us through these two episodes last week and this interesting stuff. I think that's a wrap, Dave. I had such a pleasure. Yeah, it was good stuff. I, I enjoyed that a lot. All right, everybody, stick with us. Next week, we're going to talk about something very different. We're going to talk about, are you getting ready for next year? Hmm, think about that.
This is Dave Hagen, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.